TP, Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We're your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer, supplying you with content with the comfort and ease of a trashy rosé, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and host with a bottomless mimosa supply of advice, Heather MacArthur. Hey, Heather. Well, cheers, cheers to our Sunday brunch. I know, I do like that we're uh, we're doing this on a Sunday, and uh, we're all we're all brunchy. I'm ready to go. Yes, we are. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> so let's lead in with a typically non-brunchy topic, not something that usually comes up around the mimosas and the rosé. Which I'm sorry, I do a rosé at brunch. I do a rosé all the time. Uh, <laughs> any time of day let's start off with uh the money minute this time around uh last time we talked about our goals and why we're spending the money that we're spending on a individual purchasing basis so we're looking at individual purchases and saying does this help a, does this help calm my fears about specific things that i am very worried about does a specific purchase help me move towards a uh, a goal or an aspiration that I have for myself personally, for my career, and is this the best use of my money? So we're going to kind of broaden that briefly and uh, and talk about what it means to start getting ready to plan yourself a budget, to actually sit down and budget where your money goes. Now, I'm going to ease us all into this because I know this is a harried topic. This is a little, uh, people get a little nervous, a little uh, catchy when we start to... <laughs> When we start talking about uh, limiting what you can spend on what items. So I want us to dip a toe in the pool and get comfortable with the concept of how we're spending the money that we're spending. So I think we can all agree budgets are important. And that's why we're we're kind of easing our way towards that topic. But as you've been thinking about your purchases and your purpose in your career and the way you're going about your life in general... Uh, I want you to think about making another list. I know we were talking about uh, checking in with each other on three questions previously for why you would make individual purchases. So I'm going to have you, uh, when you're thinking about starting your budget, find a piece of paper and draw a straight line from left to right. At the right-hand side of this line, make a list of three to five things that you are aspiring to accomplish, let's just say, in the next five years. Brevity and simplicity is the key here. So we're really just looking at three to five things. It's great if these goals that you have line up with uh, higher priority bricks that we've been talking about in your uh, pyramid of purpose, but they don't have to. They could be personal aspirations that are totally separate. So on the other end, on the left-hand side of that line, just thinking about money uh, can make us nervous. So own that feeling for a minute, sit with that discomfort with the, okay, if I, if I misuse my money, I'm setting myself up for this big fear. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my house, lose my car, lose my family. Like really get, sit with that discomfort, sit with whatever fear motivates you away from certain financial decisions and list those, name that monster, write those three to five fears down on the left-hand side of that line as well. Now- we uh, run this podcast every two weeks. Think about over the next two weeks, before we dip back into Money Minute again, 
every major financial decision you make, whether it's a purchase or a decision to uh, save or transfer your funds from one bank account to another bank account, think about which of these points on the line your financial decision uh, addresses. So does it move you towards the goals that you've listed on the right-hand side, or is it keeping you away from the fears? Is it kind of landing you square in the middle? If your money decision isn't directly addressing anywhere on this line, if it doesn't really fall, if a point on this line does not uh, does not correlate with the money decision you're making, think about whether or not that's a financial decision that's smart for you in this moment. And speaking of uh, smart for you in this moment and how you prioritize and, and make room with the money that you have for the decisions you make, I know that kind of leads in to something that you and I were talking about a little bit ago, Heather, on a uh, on a more corporate level as we are selling what we do to others who have their own budgets and priorities in line. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think this is what's so cool about this is because you're talking about personal budget and I think everyone can look at, okay, what do I spend shopping and, you know, let me not make impulse purchases. Let me really start buying things that are truly investing in me and making my life better. And what's kind of interesting to me is then you take it into the workplace and I don't care if you're a frontline worker who's looking for them to provide some more supplies so that you can do your job or you're a frontline manager who's trying to get more headcount on your team, or you're an executive who's trying to make sure that you're able to expand the department and the function the way that you want to. What I always hear from people is, we don't have the budget. We don't have the budget. And and I'm like, it's it's not like this, mm-hmm. like, uh, it's not like this, what was it, Lord of the Rings? What was the thing, the precious? Like, like we don't have the precious. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, it's not this, like, mythical creature that gets passed around to different people. It's not, we don't have the budget. It's, we haven't put together a business case that makes our customer want to pay for this right now. And our customer is the company that we work for. So it's like someone saying, oh, I went in to go buy shoes. And then I left because I was like, I, the, the shoes just were, well, I didn't need them right now. And I've got bigger priorities right now. So I didn't buy the shoes. And then the salesman kind of turning around and going, well, I don't have the budget. She didn't give me the budget because I didn't buy his shoes. I'm like, that's not, that's not how it works. But mm. we kind of we kind of lose that. So right. I hear people say, we don't have the budget. And I go back in and say, I don't even know what you're up to and what you're trying to get the company to invest in. So if you're a frontline employee and you're like, yeah, they didn't provide me with the right laptop or with the right equipment or software, whatever it is, well, you work for them. So my question is, is have you gauged what's the company up to? Why do they need the software? Did you present it as, here's how the company would benefit by investing in getting this. Or did you go, you should give it to me because I'm an employee and you're asking me to do this stuff. And if you want me to do this, you should supply me with the right tools. And my point in that is they didn't ask you to do anything. You took a job. Hmm. That's like the plumber showing up and going like, look, you want me to do a good job. You got to get me better equipment. I don't get you the equipment. And so with the budget, what I first want to set people up with is, get clear as to what the goals are to the people and be clear about who are the people who determine whether or not money gets invested in the work that you do. And then think of what is it that I think I'm providing or could provide that they really would care about and feel like they'd benefit from. Then I pitch, and let me pitch that idea first. This is what I'd like to do for you. As a manager, when I sit down and do a budget every year, if you're responsible for the budget for your department, Instead of, well, they gave me this much budget, I, you know, this is what I see most people do. They'll go, 
oh, I didn't spend the budget, so let's hurry up and spend it so they don't take it away from Yes. Us. Oh, right? God. Use it or lose it. Use yeah. it or lose it. And that, to me, is a strategy of someone who doesn't know how to create the budget that benefits the company. And if you're not creating the budget that benefits the company, it's not for you. Hmm. And so what I would recommend is, how do you get a better strategy? How do you get clear as to what your strategy is for the year? Pitch how much you see it costing. And it is a little bit of art and science. And you want to cushion it a little bit because a lot of times there's unforeseen costs. So you should have, just like in your personal budget, you should have some money set aside for emergencies and unforeseen costs or things that, that just cost more than you expected. And in business, maybe you don't make as much money or if you're in a cost center, things cost more than, than you planned. But that's part of how you build the budget. And then at the end of the year, it's not use it or lose it. It's did I overestimate the budget? Do I need the budget this year? Should it go to somebody else? As a manager, you should be meeting with other managers and collaborating on the budget. So if Katie, if you and I were working together and you worked in, say, IT and I worked in security, if you and I don't talk, what if this year the company's all about advancing their technology systems and right now security is good enough right. that I, it's not that like I sacrifice the entire budget, but I should be able to listen to what you're up to and go, look, for the company as a whole, maybe what we need to do is move some of my budget over to them for the year. Now, once we've got some of that new equipment in, we may need to shuttle it over to security because guess what? We've got new software. We need to up our security. But like we think of that from a small level of our home, like your husband might need the money uh, in his area a little bit more. Maybe the groceries are home repair versus travel. Like we look at those things as a holistic, but then we go to work every day and we don't look at it as a holistic and we're not really thinking about it from how do I be an advocate for the company that I chose to work for and how do I get them to invest in the work that I'm doing so I can genuinely deliver the best goods or services possible. Well, that actually, I love that because conceptually it ties into the uh, to the three ideas of how you show up to work that we talked about in the very first episode. If you are feeling like you're possibly drowning or concerned only with looking good, you're going to get territorial with your budget and you're going to try to scrap for every last dollar without thinking holistically about how does this affect the company? If I actually do not need as much budget this year as I needed the previous two years. And I know for a fact that, like, for instance, we're uh, shoring up IT infrastructure. And so that's money that can be spent well with another team elsewhere. Not only does that end up making you look good by default, because you've got the whole company's interests at heart, but it also makes you an advocate, not just for your team and the resources that you need and the resources you don't need, but it shows that you are a team player and makes you more approachable and makes it easier to interact with these other departments that you might otherwise be putting yourself at odds with if everybody's scrapping for the bottom dollar. Uh, no, I'm so glad that you brought up the whole looking good and safety mode. Talk about a feeding frenzy is when budget is going on. And, you know, I got three layers to this that I've witnessed in terms of different perspectives is I sit in the room with these executives who have all these different and high level of executives who have other executives reporting into them mm -hmm. and they're sitting there going, I've got to come up with a final budget and I've got these big wig executives with huge responsibilities and functions and they can't sit in the room and talk to each other. Everything's about how do I fight for my own headcount? And my, I'm, I'm always just surprised. I'm like, you guys, if you can't get in the room and talk to each other, as you, you represent the company as a whole. And if you're not considering the whole strategy, yet all of them are bucking 
to get the job of the person who oversees all of them. And I'm like, you do know that to do that, you have to be willing to look at the big picture. So it's fascinating to me that that never clicks until it's actually their job. (laughs) Secondly, I had a manager. She was a project manager at a nonprofit and we were in a class together and I was going through something. She goes, well, my project, this, my project, this. And I get it because she's passionate about what she does. She's dedicated to it. She's fighting for a good cause. But I had to break it to her. And I'm like, it's not your project. You didn't front the money for this. If you want it to be your project, you got to go out and you got to open your own organization. You've got to invest your money. You come out of pocket and you front this money. Then you get to call it your project. It's not your project. It's the organization's. And so to sit there and get territorial about it and go, well, my project deserves the headcount. I'm like, it's not yours. And the third one, I've firsthand witnessed what happens in terms of how people feel about working with you and the credibility behind it is that I was, it was my first year working with the, with a certain manager and it was a large, large company. And we sat down to talk about, you know, I was managing the budget for my area and we sat down and she says, okay, well, are there any changes to your budget? And I looked at her and I said, I didn't think that this first conversation was about budget. I, I thought this first conversation was, let's discuss what's really going on in the department, where my function really sits in terms of priorities, because I got my viewpoint, but you're the one who's got to make a couple of these decisions. So let's collaborate on that. Then I'll come back to you with what I think the budget needs to be and mm. whether that means that I have money to spare that can go somewhere else or whether that means that my department needs to get more money put in and what the business case is for that. And she was blown away. She's like, and, and she wasn't even looking at it as a holistic. It was, how do I give Heather what she's asking for? How do I give Tiffany what she's asking for? How do I give Sam what he's asking for? And I'm like, it's not, you're not Santa. Oh, wow. Like, this, right. This is, it's not my money. Like, it's not, I'm not asking for me. I'm pitching for what I can do for you and trying to explain to you how it's a good return on investment. And if it's not, I got no business pitching it to you. And that year, I ended up giving some money out of my budget to another department. But I also know that the following year, I'm not waiting for her to give me money. The following year and throughout the year, I was building up demand for a project that I felt was the right thing to launch for the company. So as I'm building up that demand, I'm also kind of shopping the fact of this is how much that will cost and this is how it could be included in the next year's budget. So by the time I come with the budget, it's not a surprise. And I never utter the words, I don't have the budget. What I do say is I haven't figured out how to get those investments in yet. It is not yet a priority, but I'm working to make it a priority, right? Based on a shared vision, I love the, I'm not Santa. (laughs) (laughs) You're not Santa. Um, Along those lines, and I I love that we're looking at it from so many different perspectives in the corporate world, too, because you have that experience from a managerial perspective. I just recently had the chance to talk to two of my friends and coworkers through negotiating a salary increase, both of whom were super nervous and had not had salary increases, really well-deserved salary increases in ages and were prepping for a very icky feeling conversation that they were about to have with their manager and director, respectively. Both of these individuals were coming at it from the perspective of the cost of living is so high. I don't have enough to do this or that or to advance. One of my friends was saying, I'm just going to go in and say that I'm going to have to leave if they can't give me the extra money. And the other one, it was just kind of a message of... I've worked for you for this long and I deserve this. And 
I don't know about you as a manager, but if I was sitting on the other side of a desk where somebody <laughs> gave me that messaging, I get a little defensive. I don't know that the conversation is going to go the way that they want it to go. Well, I, yeah, and I, and this is the hard breaks. You don't deserve shit. Like, let me just <laughs> right. lay that out there. And I don't care if you've done an amazing job for 20 years. If you haven't sold someone on why it's worth spending money on something, you don't deserve shit. Okay. I don't care how many years you've put into it. Right. There is no, exactly. There, Like you said, they're not Santa. It's not, I've been sitting here for this long. My ass imprint in the chair is worth this much more money. Uh, that's not, that's no, not how and it works. You know what? And I don't want to shortchange them. They may be doing amazing things for the company, but as, and this is what we've talked about in other episodes, you're a business owner. It's your job to create a demand and then to discuss it. When people say like, oh, I'm going to have a really uncomfortable discussion about money. And I said, what's uncomfortable about discussing it? And one, I don't go in to ask for a raise. I don't ask for raises. We go in there and negotiate. This is how much it costs for my services moving forward. Right. And so to ask for a raise implies that I'm looking for a reward for hard work or that I, I want to a bump in pay because of the cost of living out there. That's not a business person. That's actually socialism. So like if you wanna <laughs> if you want to do capitalism, it's supply and demand. So if you come to the table, you've been providing good quality work, you should also be pitching, here's the other things or new things I could be doing based on the direction and where we're going. And not just I've been doing this for a long time. I'd like to get more money for it. And so here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm helpful. Here's how much I see that costing. And then let's discuss whether or not you can afford that, whether or not you see that that's a priority. So that actually ties into what I ended up saying to both of these friends, both of whom are fantastic at their jobs and have a very specific, unique set of skills that they bring to the jobs that they do. And so that indicates that they are valuable. Um, so what I was saying from the from the perspective, again, of the uh, the manager talking about the budget as part of a grander vision that you were just outlining. I tried to help both of them understand the person that you're talking to about I deserve a raise. If they're a good manager, they probably see the work that you do and see the value in what it is that you're bringing to the team. But they obviously are not the ones writing the check and making the final decision on the budget, or they would have already made that decision, most likely if they're good managers, because they recognize what you bring to the team. You have to give them the talking points for bringing this further up the line, for realizing why it is important to make your success a priority in this budget. So this is the value that I bring to the team right now. I do special projects that you don't have anybody else doing. I have this specific set of skills. This is where I can leverage these skills to further support the team if I have the resources to do so. So you give your manager the talking points to give to the person that they have to suggest their budget to. And, and that's going to go a long way in showing your value, not just to your manager in case he or she has missed that previously, but also you're equipping them, you're giving them everything they need. You're packing their suitcase for them. You're giving them everything they need to uh, to get this goal accomplished on your behalf. Sometimes it involves doing the work for them. Yeah, well, not sometimes, always, because <laughs> yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's your job to make it easy to pay you. Like yes. that's part of customer service. Like, well, let me make it easy to pay you. And to your point, 
it's rarely, unless you work for a very small um, kind of company where there's one owner and it's only a few employees and you're talking to the person holding the purse strings, in most situations, it goes through a couple of levels and might end up in a finance department with people who don't know you from Adam. Yes. And they're looking at, is there a financial business case? So it's not just, I'm unique, I'm special, I do awesome stuff. It's, this is what it would cost to have a vendor do this. This is how much money I save because of the efficiencies I bring. Like, you have to talk to it from a financial standpoint. And you could talk to it. You're a fast food worker, and you want to get a raise because you've been there forever, many long. Like, talk about, like, what is it that you project you're going to be able to do for that franchise? Why should they pay you a little bit more? What's the bang for the buck? And here's the thing, because, first of all, I got a lot of love for fast food workers. My career launched <laughs> as a fast food uh, aficionado. Um, Foster freeze for life. Absolutely. Poor Vita. Um, so... <laughs> But you're looking at that and you're going, okay, it's a completely different business model. There's somebody who's really you know, connected to the money there. And when I talk about supply and demand, there's a lot of people who would probably be able to sign up for the job. I personally think to be good at fast food, you need a lot of skills, customer service, patience, all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of supply willing to apply for those types of jobs. And so the supply is kind of high. The demand is high, though. So you do have a little room, especially if you happen to be really good at it. And you should be making it easy for people to pay you. Secondly, if you say this conversation is uncomfortable, the problem is you. You don't feel comfortable talking about money for services. And because of that, you create an uncomfortable dialogue for the other people. Maybe your manager is not good at discussing money. Maybe your manager doesn't know how to even pitch it to other people. But if you go in there and say, I deserve this, you've created a discussion about your worth and your value as a human versus the value of services. And so now you've got, if you've got this manager who actually give two shits about you, they're like, crap, I want you to be motivated. I want you to feel good. How do I keep you motivated when everyone's telling me that there's not money to to give raises? So they're already stressed. You've stressed your customer out. Or if you've got a manager who doesn't give two shits about you, then they're like, whatever, buddy, I don't care. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. Go get a hug from your mom. Like, that's what you're going to get. But if you go in there and say, here's what I'm looking to do. Here's how it's going to help you based on what you're up to. Here's how it helps the company. Here's how financially it makes sense. Let's have a discussion. What do you think? What challenges are you concerned about? And uh, if they're like, look, I just they're saying it's a, it's a hiring freeze and pay freeze, and they're just not going to budge on the money right now, then I'd say, like, okay, look, that's fine. What about this? I've got option B, and we'll talk about that in another session. How do you come in with several options so you never walk out empty-handed? And I always, Ooh. you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that as a teaser for the next one. But, we'll, you know, how do we set things up so that you're not going in there like, you better raise me or I'm quitting? Like, that's the ultimatum conversation. And, ladies and gentlemen, I, anybody who's been in a relationship, I have yet to hear someone go, she or he gave me an ultimatum, and I was just inspired to commit. Like, that's just <laughs> not how it works. Really make sure that you're thinking as a business owner, whether it's how do I want to spend the profit from my paycheck or from my business? Is it, it, you know, personal finances? Is it really worth the investment like Katie was bringing up? Or when I'm working for a company as a business owner, how do I create supply and demand around what I do and pitch investing in those things and treat a budget as a business case versus a they give me this much as a ration and I've got to make it work? And as far as a raise goes, that it's not a raise, you don't deserve it. It's you're selling on, let's increase the pay because here's the increased value you're getting. 
and you will get. Yeah, so I won't go any further on the options. We're going to definitely be talking about that in an upcoming episode, uh, and we'll go further into it. And if you've got questions about it, you can always email us. And, you know, because I'm excited, the next one that we've got coming up, and I hope everybody tunes in, we're going to touch on the topic uh, that came up with this whole Trader Joe's, uh, the Cosby Show actor debacle, because I feel like if anything's the spirit of low men on the totem pole, it's the beauty of not only what he did, but what Trader Joe's did, and then how the community responded. I just thought, to me, that's what low men on the totem pole community is all about. Yes. Oh, that's fabulous. That's a perfect springboard for some of the uh, some of the concepts that you talk about directly in the book about it. It doesn't matter where you are in the company, in the corporation, whether you're a freelancer, whatever you're doing, you are the one bringing the uh, bringing the meaning to the work. And no, absolutely. Like the I, work is about. Yeah, I think there's there's some quote in the uh, there's some quote in my book. Like I actually probably know better, but. <laughs> There's, a, there, I, there's something in my book where I talk about and what I like to emphasize is that you bring the greatness to the job. The job doesn't make you great. And I feel like, you know, I don't want to go too far into it. We'll talk about it in the next episode. But um, his earning his, his paycheck at a grocery store and people kind of not actually most people, I think, responded really well. But to me, it was who cares? Like, why is that job less important than him being an actor or being some successful executive who has a company car? And that that's a great job. Like, And so to me, we could talk about this later, but there's a balance of how do you make a living and also how do you protect your creative craft? And that's what we'll talk about in the next episode. I love it. Oh, I love it. And I'm really excited for the uh, the teaser. All right. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or a story you want to share that has anything to do with what we've talked about so far on the show, or if you want to hear us discuss something that's on your mind, or you just want to reach out and tell us what you think so far, uh, you can tweet us at LMTP Consulting. You can message us on the gram, low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. All right. Any uh, parting words? How are you enjoying that mimosa? I, I will tell you, I have had bottomless mimosas, so I hope the wisdom came, came through from, from that supply. <laughs> it was flowing like a bottomless mimosa. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm Katie McDonald, and on behalf of Heather MacArthur, thank you so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.